from on3.com, Billy and Body. Good morning, Billy. And first of all, tell us a little bit about on3.com. I know you've recently made the switch, and I was looking at some of the content. Uh, man, what what a great site. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, it's uh, it's exciting. It's a new venture uh, by Shannon Terry, who started Rivals and 24-7. And this is uh, kind of the last one he wants to do and send it off and do it right. And uh, it starts with a database. I mean, we're going to be tracking everything you could imagine from, you know, the, the basics of players' offers and visits and all of that to, you know, the draft rate uh, from certain high schools or certain regions and, uh, you know, the hit rate of five stars and four stars and three stars. So it's that. And then, you know, your team site coverage, like I've been doing for years now, LSU, SMU for me, and uh, many other sites that are joining the network. And we're kind of building monsters so that, you know, people can find the best, uh, you know, news on whatever team they uh, they they follow, and uh, that's just what we want to bring is really the best, and, and kind of focused on on that uh, rather than you know maybe uh, uh, some you know page pushing type stuff. I, again, I was looking at it uh, yesterday, man. It, it it really is a cool site. Uh, let's let's talk some spring football, and let's begin with SMU. Is is the big decision quarterback with the ponies? Yeah, I think so, and it's uh, one that's going to be made uh, probably in fall camp unless you know one of them decides uh, to transfer, which you never know these days, but uh, it does seem like as of now they'll at least stick it out and, and battle it out in fall camp. And Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone both look good in, in the spring, and for, for Tanner Mordecai, I think comfortable um, as you know, the quote-unquote starter, even though it's a new staff. Uh, he is uh, you know, somebody that set records last year. He had a big, big year for SMU. And for me, watching practice as an outsider, I felt like he left the spring as as the starter. You know, I don't think Preston Stone necessarily pulled even with him. Uh, I think Tanner Mordecai looks more comfortable. I think with this new offense, wanting to throw the ball deep is a priority, and that's something that's going to be able to help him. Uh, more, uh, just get the ball out of his hands quicker, make big plays, which he wants to do. And I think at times last year, even with some of those receivers, uh, they didn't necessarily take advantage of the speed they had at, at that position and try to push the ball down the field. And then Preston Stone is a gunslinger, uh, somebody who extends plays, wants to make the big play, um, but also knows when uh, to take his lumps and uh, throw the ball away and live to fight another day. I think he brings an energy when he's on the field uh, he's very enthusiastic. The players do seem to kind of gravitate towards that a little bit, at least in practice. Um, but I think his consistent, consistency needs to improve just a little bit more. So it's a full-fledged quarterback competition. Uh, but I will say Tanner Mordecai, I think, did what he needed to do and, and uh, you know, held down the spot, uh, at least from my eyes. Billy, with the coaching change and a little bit smoother transition – in coaching because Sonny Dykes didn't lead the cupboard completely bare and you don't have to to do a whole lot of, of moving and shaking. But is it easier to kind of have this transition when you're not coming in and trying to change the culture and, and everything else and, and trying to rebuild a program? Yeah, I think so. This is a team that's used to winning uh, and – you know, they, they had gotten into the top 25 multiple years, and there's a lot of uh, you know, positives that came from that. This is a team that also didn't really get over the hump. You know, November was a month that, gosh, even with, even though we talked about it with the players all last offseason, 
they didn't get over the hump, and, and you know you, you can attribute that, that to you know all the rumors with Sonny Dykes moving on, or um, just a matter of them playing better football teams and those teams getting the best for them this year. But they've not gotten over that hump. Uh, I think this new staff uh, adds a little bit more of an edge uh, defensively. Uh, they they brought in Sean Griswold, who really is a strength and conditioning coach, who's done more with less, in my opinion. You know, just kind of looking back throughout his career, I know he's been at Arizona State, but outside of that, you know, going to a place like Virginia and helping build a winner, um, you know, with those standards that they have in place there is really impressive to me. He seems like he's got a good bond with the players, and if he can get more out of them in, in November and late in the season, then maybe this is the staff to to turn things, you know, even you know, up a notch. I want to stick with the staff a little bit, but I want to talk about the the recruiting aspect and the team they've put together there and, and kind of go talk a little bit about yesterday or was it day before yesterday where they dropped the graphic with the Trans Am. I mean, that was perfect for right now's NIL market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the SMU should have been leaning into uh, its past a lot more uh, throughout the years. I know it's a touchy subject and, you know, you don't want to, that you could you could have leaned into it without saying you were paying players in the past, and and I think they should have done that a long time ago. Um, and now it's certainly legal in a sense to to pay players, and uh, it, it's just the right timing for everything. You know, they're hit, hitting the road recruiting, they're getting back out there, and um, I mean, it's just despite it coming from A and M, it's uh, synonymous with SMU's pro- program's history, really. You mentioned the edge of of this group. Uh, how how different will this team look on the field than they did a year ago or two years ago, whatever the case may be under under Dykes? Yeah, uh, you you lose Grant Calcaterra, you lose Danny Gray, Reggie Robertson, uh, and Ulysses Bentley transferred. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this playmaking group can stay healthy. Um, that's the big question. They've got guys that. And you go out to practice, you watch Bo Corrales, a transfer from North Carolina who's battled the injury bug. But, I mean, he's as big and, you know, strong and can go up and get it, uh, as I've seen, honestly, since Cortland Sutton. When he's out there, he, he makes plays. Um, you know, I don't think he has the field-stretching speed that Cortland maybe has. But, I mean, you put it anywhere in his vicinity and he's getting it. And Rasheed Rice is as steady as they come. Uh, you know, they've got some tight, end with, uh, tight ends with talent. They've got a running back group that is uh, a veteran group. They added Kamar Wheaton. If he's healthy, how does he contribute and fit in there? Um, this is a this is a group that offensively should look fairly similar. Kind of has some question marks. I think they're going to push them push the ball down the field a little bit more, uh, just from a scheme perspective. And then defensively, Scott Simons did a really good job at temp uh, at uh, Liberty uh, the past few uh, seasons, and you know his group just seemed to be responding really well. You know, Jim Levitt. I mean, quite honestly, it it was uh, a match you thought was perfect on paper, and it it could not have been more of a train wreck, uh, just from you know everything off the field, on the field, uh, how he got along with the players. So they're energized. Uh, they're a group that is really going to be led by a talented defensive line. I think all three of those guys could at least get a shot to play in the pros in the in the long term future, especially Devere Levelston, uh, and. Then the secondary is just a big question mark. They've got safeties in corners, but lots of questions at those spots after being one of the worst pass defenses in college football last year. Billy, how big a player, how deep a dive is SMU going to take in that transfer portal? Is it going to be similar to what they did in years past or bigger? Yeah, they, they've already taken that, that 
dives pretty good. Uh, I think they've got double-digit transfers either already on campus, not already on campus, but when it all said and uh, when it when all is said and done, they'll have double-digit transfers on campus by that first game of the season, which is about on par with what um, SMU did in that first year of the transfer portal under under Sonny Dykes. Uh, and and they still need to address offensive line. They still need to address uh, defensive back. I think they're going to add another receiver. Uh, it's going to be a pretty pretty deep dive into uh, into the transfer portal, and uh, they've added a lot of help already that got to campus on defense and Jaquandis Burns and Shannon Reed at linebacker. Um, they'll continue to to make some moves, uh, like I said, li- at, at uh, offensive line, uh, wide receivers, uh, probably safety, and even defensive line as well. So. They're going to continue to uh, use that, and and the, the formula is there for it to, uh, you know, honestly work out for SMU in the long term. Is there any resentment coming out of SMU towards Houston and Cincinnati as far as they're going to come to the Big Twelve, and then now SMU sitting on the outside looking in again? Yeah, I think there's that resentment. Um, you know, Houston, Houston kind of did what SMU was doing in basketball. Uh, if you look back uh, when when Larry Brown is at SMU. Uh, SMU was what Houston is now, uh, and Houston capitalized in the longer term uh, to, to make it work. And then uh, football-wise, they've stayed certainly relevant. They've won at a higher level than SMU. Uh, they built a new stadium, and they've just kind of, quite frankly, leaned into being a kind of a bad boy of, of the group of five. You know, Tillman Fertitta is not a shy guy, um, whereas SMU just – it, the way they want to do things is, is kind of move a little quieter. And, and that's what I was kind of saying earlier with the trans A&M stuff, you know, they could have leaned in and, and kind of made it a somehow, you know, a cool, a cool private to, to go to and which they have on the football side of things, but really just kind of made it more of a national brand, um, you know, even more so than it, than it kind of already is, but it, it, there's resentment there for sure. You know, it just, you look back over the years of, of SMU and, and there are pivotal moments where this is the opportunity. And um, that, that's why they're not getting into the Big 12. Um, you know, there are things that Houston and UCF offer that SMU is never going to be able to, you know, 50,000 students or, um, you know, just large student bodies, things like that. Um, but, you know, they, they certainly missed the boat in their own end. And, but a lot, of, a lot of fans also recognize that it kind of makes sense, too. Let's uh let's switch gears. Talk a little bit about uh, LSU, and it, it sounds like when they have the spring game that the game may be kind of secondary to who's on campus for for those visits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even Brian Kelly is is kind of uh, uh, not happy with the spring game. They 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 have about thirty players, thirty newcomers uh, coming into the program uh, this off season, and uh, with the transfer portal and high school recruiting and. Uh, with the guys that have left the team in the past, uh, for whatever reason, their depth is a real issue. So they're going to go offense, defense, which for me, I think that's great because you get your best on best a little bit more. Uh, you don't have a draft. You don't have the teams broken up. So it should should be a nice way to at least see where the team is at. But um, it doesn't make as uh, – it's, it's a scrimmage, basically. And um, they will have a lot of talent on campus. They're going to have a, a couple five-stars. Uh, and quarterback Dante Moore and Carnell Tate on campus, two of the top recruits in 2023. They'll have some of their fresh commitments, uh, Ryan Yates out of out of Texas and uh, Michael Doherty out of Georgia. Uh, they'll also have Jalen Brown, one of the best wide receivers in the country, 
Arkansas. Darren Reed, who for us at on three is a top 30 overall prospect. He's a really impressive defensive lineman out of Georgia. Uh, they're going to have a stacked visitor list, and uh, who knows, maybe they start get getting rolling uh, on the recruiting trail in that 2023 class. What is the offense going to look like under Kelly, and who's going to lead this offense? Yeah, I think it's going to end up being Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think with the offensive line still a little bit of a work in progress, uh, they're going to uh, need somebody that's a little bit uh, slippery back there, uh, running the ball and, and, and being able to move and, um, you know, extend plays and do those types of things. So uh, he's shown enough, at least with, with, you know, me getting to watch a few times that he can be accurate enough to deliver the football. But, um, you know, Miles Brennan's still there. He's certainly a veteran, uh, even though he's been, been hurt the last couple of years, he's been around, he's seen a lot. Uh, and when he played, he, he was very productive. So he's factoring in. I think it's a two-headed race, really, between those guys with Garrett Nussmeyer kind of being a dark horse. As far as the offense goes, they're going to deploy, you know, three or four wide receivers uh, at a time. The tight end is going to kind of be more of a traditional uh, tight end is kind of what we're seeing as far as the type of tight end they're recruiting, the type of tight end. Um, you know, they're, they're using so far, um, they're very thin at that position, but they've moved Jack Besh, you know, out to wide receiver full-time. He was kind of a hybrid uh, tight end wide receiver. So that kind of shows me they're, they're, they're looking for that, you know, kind of bigger body uh, at the tight end position overall. And then uh, they've got a stable of running backs. Uh, they did lose one Corey Kiner transferred back home to Cincinnati. He had played a good bit as a freshman, but I think this is just kind of your, your prototypical, spread offense uh, in a way. You know, we saw what Cincinnati could do last year uh, with Mike Denbrock calling the plays. He's going to be calling the plays for, for LSU this year. And I think we're going to see a lot of what Cincinnati tried to do. Uh, and, and in part, that's why I think Jaden Daniels probably holds a little bit of the edge, uh, just you know, judging by what he was able to do with Desmond Ritter. How long do you think it's going to be before LSU is back competing on the national stage at a high level? Because you know it's championship or bust for Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to commend him for the job he did you know, bringing in some some really good talent in the transfer portal. I think they're going to be a, a competitive team. I, I do think they're probably a year away. Um, I think they need more depth uh, at the wide receiver position, or, or I should say that that group needs to develop or at least show they, they can do it at a consistently high level outside of Kayshawn Butte. Um, you need somebody to emerge at running back like they – when Clyde Edwards Alaire emerged in 2019, uh, the offensive line is still a question mark, uh, although they upgraded uh, through the transfer portal and they have some really talented freshmen coming in. I do think the defensive line is going to be a strength. Linebacker is a huge question. And then the secondary is kind of a little bit. So I just think they're, they're a little bit off um, as far as what they need to be back right at in the mix for an SEC West championship. You know Alabama's going to be there. A&M continues to be a, a school that year in, year out now. Um, you know, everybody talks about, but they haven't made that move just yet uh, to the top. And so it's going to be an interesting year. Um, you know, A&M has, has the same quarterback questions LSU probably has, honestly. And uh, Auburn's going to be interesting. It, it is uh, never a dull moment in the SEC West. And with Brian Kelly, though, I think the big thing is, is his organization and his coaching staff seems really sharp. So 
So that might buy them a couple wins that maybe they're not expecting even internally this year. And who knows, maybe they can you know, play a, a little bit of, bit of a spoiler and be right in that race. But I just think they're missing a couple pieces that they, they need to truly be in the top. Hey, Billy, again, tell us a little bit about uh, on3.com and, and how you can read about SMU and LSU and, and others. Yeah, you can check us out on 3.com. And also uh, for SMU fans, on theponyexpress.com is a site I run. You can check us out with a seven-day trial. And then for LSU fans, you can check us out at thebengletiger.com. So we'll have all your visitor lists, recruit reactions, spring game takeaways for LSU. And SMU, the coaches are hitting the road uh, pretty heavy and, uh, you know, some trans A&Ms. And <laughs> we'll have coverage of that, too. Billy, as always, and it is a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, for being with us this morning. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, talk to you soon. Billy and Body from uh, on3.com.